Well, we are continuing our series called I Believe in Miracles, and we're going to turn it into a a little bit of a Palm Sunday sermon, and we're going to talk about something where there is actually no physical miracle. We're going to talk about John the Baptist. Even though he didn't do any miracles, I've got kind of a miracle slipped in there in my mind. Let me just recap a little bit of I Believe in Miracles. You know, we're talking about the miraculous. We're talking about different examples of miracles in the Bible. And I just think this is important because I believe God does miracles. And again, I'm believing for God to do something awesome this year, this summer, this fall. I think there's going to be a mini awakening. I don't think it's going to be like the great awakening. I don't think it's going to be something that, you know, we change the calendars over or anything along those lines. But I think there's going to be a significant move of God this year. We need to believe for miracles like that to happen, for the mighty hand of God to move. And let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as we've been going through this series, because I think it's just really important. So 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 24 says this, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we have Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. We can grab hold of things, but as we remember Christ crucified. That is the crucial message, the love of God for a broken world, the sacrificial love of God for a broken world. And as we grab hold of the love of God for a broken world, we understand it's about Christ crucified. Then we can grab hold of the wisdom of God without getting arrogant and prideful and going off the rails with that. We can grab hold of the power of God without getting weird and all that stuff. We stay centered on Christ crucified, which is what we celebrate at Good Friday. And then we are able to grab hold of the power of God and the wisdom of God. So this series is more talking about the power of God. Last week, we talked about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Boy, the big message with that one is this, that that for those who trust in Jesus, death is not the end that there is more than what we can see going on. Jesus has a plan. And so we can trust in that. So that's what we learned last week. This time, this week, John the Baptist prepares the way. And uh, very excited about that. This is the day that we celebrate the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. He's going to be pronounced king, and uh, it's not going to go exactly how most people thought it would, because he's not going to become king and conquer the Romans and kick them out and bring Israel back into being a world power. But instead, he's going to be proclaimed king of the Jews on a sign written in three languages at the head of the cross, and he is going to be crucified. So Christ crucified, that's in Holy Week, Good Friday, but Palm Sunday is where Jesus comes in, and they lay palm branches as he comes in on the the donkey, the colt of a donkey, fulfilling prophecy, and the way is prepared for Jesus into Jerusalem to become king. 
And I want to segue that into John the Baptist, talking about John the Baptist, because he's the one who prepared the way for the Lord in that greater sense. It wasn't palm branches that prepared the way for the Lord. It was the preaching of John the Baptist, the message that John brang, and the acceptance of that message of the people that prepared the way for the Lord. That's what we're going to look at today is John the Baptist preparing the way. So who is John? Well, he's Jesus' cousin. He was born only a few months apart from Jesus, so they're the same age. And uh, he was a little bit of an interesting character. So he, of course, baptized people. It was a baptism uh, of repentance for forgiveness of sins. He baptized people in water. And so let's look at who John the Baptist is. We'll read a section from Matthew chapter 3 and then also from Mark chapter 1. So let's see who is John the Baptist. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So that's from Matthew 3. And then from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, it says this. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We see a couple of different descriptions of John's message, and we see a guy who is baptizing, who is out in the wilderness, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, that he would prepare the way for the Lord. The culture was eagerly anticipating the Messiah, and John the Baptist is the one who's preparing the way. He's saying the Messiah is coming, and let's get ready, repent of your sins, and then you'll be ready for the coming of of the Lord. So, John is the one who's called by God to prepare the way for Jesus to come in and to establish the new covenant. And to me, the miracle, you know, if we're talking about I believe in miracles, the miracle is that all of the people listen to John. I mean, you have a guy that's eating grasshoppers and like digging through, you know, wild honey. He's knocking down bees nests and eating the honey. He's wearing a a camel hair robe, which 
from the little bit of research I did was, uh, you know, like an old garment that might have been worn hundreds of years before. It was just kind of a strange thing. The normal people didn't wear that leather belt around his waist. And so he was a strange guy out in the wilderness, you know, that's eating bugs. And the whole culture's like, wow, we believe you. We should repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. All right. And they all run out there. It's amazing that the culture turned to God through the ministry of John the Baptist. And I think that's an amazing, miraculous thing. Again, not the type of miracle like changing water to wine or walking on the water or feeding the 5,000 or a miraculous healing. But this is a miracle of an entire culture repenting and coming to God and being ready for the Lord Jesus to come and do his ministry. And maybe that miracle can happen today too. Maybe the message of John the Baptist, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent because the one coming after me is so much more powerful. Water is one thing, but the Holy Spirit washing you clean is another. Maybe we can listen to the messages of John the Baptist and respond just like they did 2,000 years ago. That, to me, would be a great, great miracle for today, that we would heed the words of John and let those words prepare our hearts for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, again, what was John's message? We saw those two things. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, from Matthew chapter 3, and then from Mark chapter 1. He says that we're to believe in the one who would come after him, the straps of whose sandal he's not worthy to untie. John said he baptizes with water, but Jesus will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Two amazing messages, and we'll link those two together later on in the sermon. But let's start right now with repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. My translation of this, I'm not going to make my translation of the Bible. That would really be an amazing undertaking. But I do have a personal Pastor Mike translation of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And that is this. It's God is about to do something really cool, something really awesome. So get your heart right and you'll get to be part of it. That's repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And I believe we're in a time in history where God is going to do some amazing things and we need to get our hearts right so we can be part of it. We don't want to be separated from what God is doing because our attitude stinks or we've just walked away from God. We get mired in sin and we're embarrassed to spend time with the Lord or be part of church as we just wandered off. We don't want that to happen because God's going to do something amazing and we want to be part of it. So we got to get our hearts right. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This word repent is both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's a translation of a Hebrew word. In the New Testament, it's a translation of a Greek word. And those two words, though they they have, you know, essentially the same meaning, have slight differences. The Hebrew word means to turn or to turn back. And of course, the ancient Hebrews, when they wandered away from God, they needed to turn back to God, but they were the children of Abraham. They were people who were heirs of the promises made to their fathers. And so when they were separate from God, they needed to turn back to God. However, the Greek word 
is different from that. It isn't to turn back. Instead, it's to reconsider your life or to get a bird's eye view, meta consider what's going on in your life. Look at yourself, your life, and try to get perspective on it and decide what you need to do. And that decision should be to follow Jesus, to ask for forgiveness for your sins and to pledge your life to serve God, to repent. Look at your life and go, man, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going to follow Jesus. That's what repent means in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And repentance is what prepares the way for the Lord in your heart. Just like John the Baptist prepared the way for that whole culture, we are prepared to receive Christ into our hearts when we repent, when we come to that place where we just say, you know what, I need to turn back to God. Or you know what, I need to look at my life. Maybe there's a higher power. Maybe Jesus is someone I need to look look into and try to understand and accept the Lord into my heart. This is repentance. It prepares the way for the Lord in our hearts. And either one, either if it's you wandered away from God or you need to find God in the first place, that's repentance. Reconnecting or connecting with God because our hearts are open and we just come into the Lord. And this message of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near is so important that when John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus started preaching the same message. He took over the message that John was giving. We see that in Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 17. We see that Jesus didn't just leave it, but he continued the message. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Word for word, Jesus preached John's message because it wasn't, of course, John himself that prepared the way, but it was repentant hearts that prepared the way. So when John was put in prison, the message still needed to continue, and Jesus shared that same message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So John's message was repent. And then the second message, the one who's coming after me is more important than me. I baptize with water. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That was John's message. What was John's purpose? John's purpose was to lead people to Jesus, to prepare the way for people to meet Jesus, for their culture to receive Jesus. That was John's purpose to lead people to Jesus. And John was very kingdom-minded. This is a little bit of a Christian phrase, but what it means is that John didn't care as much about his baptizing ministry as much as he cared about what God's plan was. He didn't put his ministry over God's plan. In fact, he was willing to make any sacrifice. He was willing to have himself be decreased so that Jesus would increase. We see an example of this in the gospel of John chapter one, where John the Baptist has gathered all of these disciples. They're all following John the Baptist. And John's been preaching, you know, the one coming after me is going to be more important than me. And then here in John chapter 1, starting in verse 35, we'll read 35 through 37. It says, uh, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, They followed Jesus. So what was it that John the Baptist was doing? He was saying, hey, there he is. Go follow him. 
I know you've been following me. It's been great. Really appreciate you spending some time with me. But my purpose is to lead you to Jesus. There's Jesus. Go follow him. And so they left. That is kingdom-minded. John wasn't thinking, yeah, but I need these people to follow me. Ah, He wasn't torn. He understood his purpose was to lead people to Jesus. Why would John do this? Why would he not grab people for himself, but instead lead people to Jesus? It's because he believed what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. John believed in Jesus, so he knew it was important to lead people to Jesus and not to hoard people for himself. He was kingdom-minded. He believed what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 4. We'll read verses 16 through 21. It says this, it's talking about Jesus. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. So Jesus was a good church attender. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So John believed that Jesus was there to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to bring us into the day of salvation. John believed that this is what Jesus was doing, and this is the highest purpose. And so John was like, Whoever I can lead to Jesus, I will lead to Jesus. He knew they needed to repent so that they could receive Jesus, receive the ministry of Jesus. So he taught them to repent, gave them baptism, water baptism to solidify it. And then he turned them over to Jesus. He believed it. You know, the purpose of John the Baptist is essential for us as Christians as well, to lead people to Jesus. That's that's what we do. I mean, we have to go to Jesus freely. You have received, freely give. You got to receive first. But when you receive of the good things of God and you're growing in the Lord, then we need to do our part to lead other people to Jesus. We share in the purpose of John the Baptist. So use your gifts, your abilities that you have, your time, your resources, even Give sacrificially like John the Baptist did, giving up his disciples. What else did he have? You know, he had grasshoppers and and wild food that he found. That's what he had. He gave up his followers to Jesus. He gave sacrificially. We need to give sacrificially to help people know Jesus because we believe Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who brings forgiveness. He's the redeemer. He gives new life. And we want people to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be brought into new life, to understand their value in the eyes of God. That is our highest purpose, to lead people to Jesus who gives them all of those glorious gifts. John the Baptist was unique. 
We talked about how, you know, he ate locusts and wild honey or, you know, grasshoppers. He was wearing strange clothes for the times and, and he was unique and he was unique also in his kingdom mindedness in the fact that he didn't lead people to himself, but he led people to Jesus. He was very different from the Pharisees. The Pharisees were all about themselves, what they wanted and their own power and authority. If we go to the gospel of John chapter 11, we'll see a very stark contrast between Jesus as being responded to by John the Baptist versus Jesus being responded to by the Pharisees. So we're picking this up from from last time where Lazarus was raised from the dead, and we'll look at the reaction of the Pharisees. So we'll pick it up in verse 43, and we'll read to verse 48. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There's the miracle from last week, but we continue now. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. They're upset that Jesus is raising Lazarus from the dead and that he's doing these other miracles. They're like, if we let him go on like this, we're, we're done. They wanted to hang on to their power. They wanted to hang on to what they had. They didn't want God's plan to go forward. They didn't want Jesus to elevate while they had to decrease. They wanted to hang on to what they had. They were not kingdom-minded. They were self-centered. They were territorial. And it's just not how it's supposed to be. They didn't care about God's plan of salvation. They cared about themselves. That's not good. Here's my main point between the difference between John the Baptist and these Pharisees, as far as it applies to us today. Because there are people that care more about themselves than about God's plan. And these are the Pharisees. You can be a religious Pharisee, meaning like if, if you're like a church leader, you care more about church attendance than the kingdom of God. You care about people coming to your church. You'd be happy if uh, a smaller percentage of people were saved, but they were all at your church versus more people being saved, but spread out at other churches. That's a pharisaical way to think. Don't care about God's plan and the kingdom of God. You care about your own ministry. And then there's also the people who are there just you know, carnal in that they care about their own wants and desires, but they don't want to be bothered with the kingdom of God. They don't want to be bothered with being part of bringing salvation to this world. They don't want to be bothered with that. And so they're unselfish. And the bottom line is yucky hearted religious people push other people away from Jesus. That's just the bottom line. So we need to not be yucky hearted. We need to not be like what Jesus said about the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 13, where he said, you don't even enter and you won't let other people enter who are trying to. The kingdom of heaven has come near and you're not getting it and you won't even let other people get it. That's a disaster. We don't need mean-spirited believers who think only about themselves. So we want to be like John the Baptist, not like the Pharisees. Amen? 
We don't want to be like the Pharisees, selfish. They wanted to kill Jesus, not to accomplish God's plan, but to protect what they had. We don't want to be like that. We want to be like John the Baptist. We want to be ones who believe in Jesus. We believe he came to bring good things to this world. He came to bring the year of the Lord's favor, the day of salvation. He came to bring the new covenant. He came to bring redemption and new life to people. This is what he came to do. We see that as valuable and wonderful and powerful. So we want to be willing to sacrifice for God's kingdom, to bring people to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus. So we want to be like John the Baptist. But here's my question. Look in your heart. Who are you actually like? Are you more like the Pharisees who are more interested in themselves than the kingdom of God? Or are you actually more like John the Baptist? Which one is it? Are you actually about releasing yourself and giving sacrificially of yourself to help people know Jesus? Or are you more interested in yourself and maybe you'll do a couple things to sort of appease that? Where are you? What's the answer? Well, If you want to be like John the Baptist and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not really quite measuring up, then that's where the second main message from John the Baptist comes in. Let's go back to uh, Mark chapter one. We'll read verses seven and eight again. This is the message of John the Baptist. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, that is amazing. Baptized with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized in water, John took people, he put them under the water, and then he picked them back up, and they were completely immersed. They were having a total experience of water, not just a drink of water, not running through the rain, but under the water. And Jesus baptizes in the Holy Spirit, baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So this is an immersion in the Holy Spirit. And my personal experience with this, in a few weeks, we'll talk about the day of Pentecost in our I Believe in Miracles series and the the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming out, Peter preaching on that. And I tell you what, I had a heart transplant. I was a very critical, very negative, very angry person. I was not in a good place for years. As a new believer, I was angry. I just had some bad stuff going on in my heart. And I had yet to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But when I received that, it was a complete, total heart transplant. And uh, I can't describe it perfectly, but I tell you what, it changed who I am. To where instead of that anger and that critical spirit and that harshness, instead of that, the fruit of the spirit began to grow inside of me. I started to realize that I needed to deal with myself. I had my own problems and I'm blaming other people. And instead of the bad stuff, the fruits of the spirit began to grow in my heart. We don't need... To have Christians with a prideful spirit, with a judgmental spirit, with a selfish spirit, with a harsh, cruel spirit. We don't need that. We need believers with the Holy Spirit within them. A holy attitude, mentality, holy emotions, a holy perspective of this world 
We need the Holy Spirit to overwhelm us and then to grow in the ways of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, which is like patience, but with people, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So these are the things that well up within us when we're filled with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And if we want to have our lives be like that of John the Baptist instead of our lives be like that of the Pharisees, then we need the fruit of the Spirit in our heart. We get the fruit of the Spirit by being baptized in the Spirit through Jesus Christ, who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. John called us to repentance and to follow Jesus who baptizes us in the spirit so we can live a new life. If you want to make a difference in this world, it's not about being an angry Christian. It's not about being mad at how things are going and doing some kind of social media rant that doesn't actually help. Instead, you want to live for Christ and his cause, not for yourself. You want to live to see the good news brought to the poor, to see the captive set free to see recovery of sight for the blind. So your heart goes out to the oppressed, to the blind, to the prisoner, to the poor. That's your desire is to see them receive good things. So you live for Christ and his cause. You learn his ways and live by them. You learn obedience to Christ. I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 2. This is just super, super important. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to obey the scriptures. What do the scriptures say? Well, if you haven't read them, they say a lot of things you haven't read. And here's one of the things that I, I want you to read. I want you to know. It says this in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 25. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because, you know, they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. So we're not to be quarrelsome. We're to be kind to everyone. It acknowledges here there are opponents. We have opponents. We have people who come against us. Do we just rant against them and just, you know rail on them? No, opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that they will come to the Lord. Like John the Baptist leading the way, preparing the way of the Lord. We are called, even in a world full of people that oppose us, to just try to lead the way to Jesus for them. Not quarrelsome, but kind. We need to learn obedience to the ways of God. And then we need to lead people to Jesus. You know, through our service, through our witness, this is productivity. If you're prone to social media rants, I know not very many people are, but there are some, you know, probably not you, but if it is you, I want you to do this instead. Meet one-on-one -on -one with somebody who disagrees with you and eye-to-eye, face-to-face, talk to them about Jesus and the Lord you love and what Jesus has done for you. Don't type where you can't see someone face-to-face. -face. Meet with them face-to-face. Tell them why you love Jesus in that non-quarrelsome, kind way. Show them the good things of God. Make a difference for Jesus that way. I encourage you strongly 
do that. All right. John's message was repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near and that Jesus is coming and he's going to baptize you in something more powerful than water, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You have that heart change. Again, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near is God's about to do something cool. So it'll get your heart right. You'll get to be part of it. I believe it's time for us to get our heart right because God's going to do something. God's going to bring forth a new wave of Luke chapter four. Jesus is going to do a new thing in 2021 in the hearts of people. And we've got to get our hearts right so we can be part of it. We don't want to be caught just being grumpy, angry Christians off to the side when there are hurting people that need Jesus. We've got to be ready. Let's be ready, brothers and sisters, to make it work. If you need to repent, as in the Old Testament idea of turning back to God, you've wandered off, you know, you've been sucked into the modern culture's, you know, angry spirit, and you need to realize, whew, this isn't, this isn't what God's called me to do. I need to love people. I need to care about people who are far from Jesus. If you realize that, it's time to repent and turn back to the ways of God. And if you've never come to Jesus in the first place, today is your day. Time to come to Jesus. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Christ has already been paid on the cross for you to be forgiven. For all of your shame, all of the things that you regret, all of the things you know aren't right, to be forgiven in the eyes of God. And now you have that free access to Almighty God. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God cleanses you and changes you and you can walk with God from here on out. Jesus offers this to absolutely anyone. And that includes you. Let's pray. We'll finish up our sermon time. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where anyone can come, receive forgiveness, get free from all of the garbage of the past, be made new and walk into your goodness, not carrying dark spirits, but having that washed out and your Holy Spirit coming in, walking in love and joy and peace and forbearance and all the fruits of the Spirit, Lord, fill us with your Spirit. And Father, for those who are unsure, they don't know if you will accept them. Lord, I pray right now you would meet them where they're at and you would show them that, that the blood shed on the cross is sufficient for them. That nothing more needs to be done, but that they can be forgiven and made new. Not to stay the same, but to be made new and brought into your kingdom, into your family and learning to walk in your ways. So, Father, I pray that you would bless us and encourage us. Help us to grab hold of your goodness. Help us to be ready for what you are about to do. Because I know you're going to do something awesome. And if we get our hearts right, we'll get to be part of it. So, Lord, bless us with this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.